Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 68 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. Uh, potentially my new favorite guest walking through the door with a naturally processed Mexican geisha. I've got Ben from Fragment Coffee in Minneapolis. How are you doing, man? I'm well. How are you? I'm excited because we know each other just through like passing and sure. just you, we've grabbed some coffee and caught up. Mm-hmm. But every time I like see you post something or every time I learn something about you, I'm like, huh. So what I know about you is you've been like every shop I've ever been to. Yeah, I've made the rounds a little bit. Yeah. I know that like there's a lacrosse league that you're a major part of. And these are like the things I know about you. Sure. So, so what I would love to learn about today. Oh, so, so I should mention uh, title officially owner of Fragment Coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome shop in Minneapolis. I saw when you were open it. Multi roaster cafe, which by the way, some people, if you're on the West Coast listening, you might be like, okay. But in Minneapolis, multi roaster cafe, constantly rotating roasters that even I'm like, man, I've never even heard of this roaster before. Constantly new single origin espresso, batch brew, everything coming through super fast rotation. Not really found in the Twin Cities, which was really exciting to see. Yeah, it's certainly. Um you know, uh, an area of opportunity we saw uh, going into Fragment, never expected to be this large of a of a rotation or offering list, but kind of just went wild with it. And it's, uh, we've had a really good, you know, like response. So just kind of like, like whenever we brought uh, a new international partnership in or whatever, like people came, you know, came out and it just encouraged us to keep looking for the things that, you know, haven't been here before. And, and yeah, we, we, we like the opportunity to kind of just like bring, you know, and expose a new roaster to like a new you know clientele as well as like our you know you know expose our city to like what's out there you know outside of what's like down the street you know so let's go all the way back to the beginning Mm -hmm. because everybody's got um, how do you get into coffee and so let's go all the way back to how did you find yourself in coffee in the first place yeah um so it goes back quite a quite a few years um i was living in jacksonville florida at the time um my dad was going through chemo um and um, parts of, you know, chemo does a lot to, to an individual, but part of it is like after the treatments, they feel very, very, very cold. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it started with just like stops at my local, we had a Starbucks like right in between like where we lived and, and the hospital and all that kind of stuff. And so it stopped, it started with like, you know, stopping in to get like hot chocolates or mochas or whatever, just kind of make that, that ends, you know, end of the treatment feel a lot better, you know? Um, and then fast forward like a couple months, um, me and a friend were on like a, like um, a road trip to Nashville, and uh, I stopped in a what was probably what I can remember as like my first you know craft coffee shop or, or specialty um, called Crema, um, which is a, mm. a pretty big you know they have a quite a quite a good following and quite a good name in the industry. And uh, I ordered a mocha, wasn't really into into coffee at the time, and but I remember just sitting there and kind of like watching and just seeing the barista like interact with the guests and like they knew their orders they knew their names it was just really cool to see and at the time i i hadn't like ever drank before and so i never had been part of like the bar scene or like the brewery scene and like and i also didn't drink coffee since like the mocha order and and so like i've never really experienced like that kind of you know seeing that interaction so much um but it was just really cool and i'm like man that's kind of kind of rad and i remember that when i went back to florida and i was like it was time for a new job. Um, at the time I was, I was, um, dating someone who worked for Starbucks and, and she was like, why don't you think about coffee? And I just remember, I'm like, that would be really cool to have like those kind of, you know, interactions every single day and be a, be a part of someone's, you know, routine and all that kind of stuff. So start at Starbucks, you know, good old, you know, line out the door, high volume drive through, you know, crushing those, those blended drinks and, uh, 
um, yeah, that's how I started. Um, slow, you know, was there for like, did the whole Starbucks thing for like maybe, maybe like a year and a half, I think, or whatever. You know, my goal was just to like move up, you know, be a manager, try and make a career out of it. That's kind of always been my thing is like, why waste time at a place, you know, when you can, you know, be progressing and, and, and setting yourself up better for the future. And, but, but eventually it kind of got a little repetitive, um, right down the road, like a, especially a coffee shop called bold bean opened up, um, and started going there as a guest. Eventually they, they asked me if I ever thought about working in coffee. I never told them I worked for Starbucks. <laughs> I was too embarrassed because <laughs> they were, they were way cooler than me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I was like, and I finally, you know, let them know. I like, you know, I, I do have this background and they're actually you know, pretty, pretty happy with that and did the whole interview thing. And then I got into, yeah, probably like six years ago now, got into the whole specialty scene. And say what you will about Starbucks, but once you work there, you've done high volume. Mm-hmm. You've probably learned about processes that are arguably the best in the industry in terms yeah. of just efficiency and cranking out drinks over and over. Yeah. Ever since I've been in a hiring role at, at different places, you know, Starbucks employees are some of my, my favorite applicants, you know, they're, they're task oriented, you know, they're, they know how to, you know, multitask and, you know, balance a bunch of stuff and, and they know how, when it gets crazy to keep hopefully a, a pretty cool head. So I love, I've, you know, any Starbucks people are looking to get into specialty, yo, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> sure. Yeah. Been up in Minneapolis <laughs> and pray we got you. Um, so you start working at Bold Bean. What was your role? So uh, at that point, a year and a half at Starbucks, were you still at that like barista level while you were there when I you switched over to management? Bold? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was, so it was a little, it wasn't like full manager. So I wasn't like scheduling and stuff like that. It was mainly just more, um, of like quality control and all that kind of stuff. So management, not, but still like on the floor, you know, five days a week, you know, making the drinks, serving the people, all that kind of stuff. That yeah. is a really funny thing. That's a recurring theme in coffee that I think we're all getting better at it, but it is the thing where you go into a shop and you're like, Oh, I'm not cool enough to be here. <laughs> like, no, I swear. I, uh, yeah, that was, that was my, in- nothing about them made me feel that way. I just felt that way, yeah. you know? Um, just going into the first time and I was just like, I'd always go in and just be a quiet dude, you know, ordering some sweet beverage you know, or whatever. And just uh, slowly and surely, like they did like pour overs and I, I started asking questions and I'm, I'm too curious not to understand like what that was. And they would, they were always happy enough to like sample it out or whatever. And then I slow, like I had a weird, like, I don't remember the exact moment, but I never had like a, like a cream or sugar face. I went straight from like venti extra pumps, all that kind of crap straight to black coffee. It was really like overnight. It was really weird and I'm, I'm grateful for it, but um, yeah, it was pretty funny. I had, the, I had the opposite. I was like the, uh, I drink this black bitter coffee because that's what salespeople do. Sure. Like we're road warriors. And then someone was like, you know, it doesn't have to taste like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> what was it like going from Starbucks over to Bold Bean, this shop where it's like this cool vibe and cool people. And you're like, I, I shouldn't even be here at the start. And then all of a sudden you start working there. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, Bold Bean. So this was their second location at the time. So they had a following in the city. Um, and so it was, it was, the, it was very, it felt very, very cool. And, uh, I, it felt like there's certainly a lot to learn. Like I thought, because I had moved up and like, we were at like a reserve Starbucks, you know, so like the little bit more coffee for us, so I thought I had a, a good under, understanding about it all. Um, learned pretty quick that there's a lot more of that, you know, um, to, to learn and figure out. And, and they were, they had a really nice, great training program that was super, in, you know, intense. And they had like a full, you know, five station pour over, pour over bar. So it was, it was a lot, it was there's a lot to learn, but they, they structure it where it's like you start off on like, you know, registering dishes and then you get to go to the portal bar and, um, and eventually get to, to the espresso. So it's very manageable, you know, um, it's a great program, uh, roast the, you know, I think they now have like four shops and mm-hmm. they roast their own, like they're pretty awesome. And th- um, this is in Florida still. Yeah. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, so I actually never ended up making, like, by the time I left Bold Bean, I'd probably had, like, one or two espresso shifts. I hadn't really made it that far. Um, but, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. It wasn't super, I mean, it was just a lot to learn, but it was it was the same type of, like, I've always been more of the, I, starting coffee, I was more into the service aspect and the interactions opposed to, like, the actual product itself. So that was the same there. You know, you still get to, you know, have your regulars, which is awesome. And, and they also, I mean, they were open from, you know, 5 30 a.m to 11 p.m they had like a beer program so it was, it was very like the place to be so i was happy to be there you know that's awesome how long did you end up being there i think i was at bold bean for maybe maybe around a year i guess and then i moved back here which is where i'm from so, so. you say you're originally from here mm-hmm. yep. oh, okay so you moved back here after being there been there a year at this point are you still like i am a coffee person now this is what i do yeah i um before moving back i reached out to spy house to, to set up like an interview and be like you know I, I knew i wanted to stay in coffee when i came back and uh it's something that i knew i'd done now for a couple of years and you know different roles and stuff like that and i didn't want to go back to the corporate coffee coffee vibe so reached out to spy house because you know they were the you know the biggest brand and i had had their coffee even when i was in jacksonville you know it's just like they have a a good industry name so had that lined up when i got back here and and yeah what was that like starting at spy house it was good it was um i i kind of faked so like i had had coffee experience and spy house was always like in need of like experienced people ready to like hop on and go right they have so many shops and so many openings and stuff like that and so I had been like, yeah, I've, I've coffee experience, you know, put me on bar. I never, like I said, I'd had like one or two espresso bar shifts ever. Yeah. You get that question. Like, do you know how to dial an espresso? You're like, yes. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've totally worked in coffee before. And, uh, (laughs) Kathy's going to kill me. She was the trainer at the time. And, uh, shout out Kathy. Yo homie. And, uh, so she gave me like a faux bar training, more of like a test type of thing. Like, yeah, make me this, make me this. I'm like, I'm literally just like, failing at it i'm like oh it's just a different machine that I'm, I'm used to or whatever and she goes oh you'll figure it out um you're good to go and so i i started working at the nicolette location their original one and uh was like bar right away and so it was it was fun but it was like i was faking it and trying to learn as i go and like it was yeah so it was it was good it was um bold bean is great they're a little bit different than spios as far as like what they what they um, source and kind of like how they how they do things. It's a little bit more like it's still specialty, but a little bit more you know tier two like and the uh, in between or in be- yeah, those like yeah. in between second third. They're more kind inten- of they're more intentional, but they're also like more approachable to, to still the, the neighborhood shop. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and so Spios was a, the next step, and, and um, the Reese's there were great, and uh, uh, that kind of led to my first opportunity serving coffee in like the North Loop because I, I was part of their opening team at their new, their Washington and 10th mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, yeah, so that's how I got it kind of into the North Loop, moved on to that spy house. Um, after that, went to the opening of, of Bachelor Farmer. Um, for, it was part of the opening team there. Um, after that, it was part of the opening at Northern Coffee Works. After that, was part of the opening at Parallel. And here we are. Right? <laughs> and this Hopefully. is what I, like what I alluded to it at the beginning of the episode where I was like, I know Ben from everywhere because yeah. <laughs> when i first moved back obviously i'm hitting all these different spots and i swear in the period of like two years i'm like wait eventually just like i think i know you right and then you're like oh yeah i'm here now and then i'm here so go through that again you, yeah you yeah. were there at the spy house in north loop and yeah. then you opened yeah so so um was part of the opening team at, at the spy house in north Loop, just like a normal mm-hmm. barista kind of like their you know five day a week opener and stuff like that and then uh Went from Spy House to the Bachelor Farmer Cafe. Yep. Re- rest in peace. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, still hurt. Um, 
was there for the opening team, helped kind of pick like the roasting partners because they also had like a rotating um, roaster type of model, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, went was there for for quite a while, and then maybe like a year and a half, I think, or something like that, and uh, went from there to the opening of Northern Coffee Works. Um, was there for a little under a year. Um, went to Parallel um, when they opened up, uh, and then finally Fragment here a, a little over a year ago. Yeah, all the while all of these are happening. Now you're the owner of Fragment. Is it in the back of your mind that you're you're wanting to open your own shop? Always, absolutely. Okay. Um, so at what point did that become the plan? Is it all the way back to your Starbucks days where you're like, someday I want to have my own shop? Or at what point in all of these like eight stops that you've made along the way, by the way, breezed over it like it was like a month at each place. Like, no, these are like a year stop at each. At least a year. At what point Mm -hmm. in that process did you say, I think I could go out and do this on my own? Probably after I moved back. um, I, you know, I, I always wanted to, like, I enjoyed Starbucks, wanted to move up there and be like a manager for a while. Then I moved to Bold Bean, but Bold Bean, I always had kind of like one out the one foot out the door in Florida. Like I always kind of wanted to come home. Um, And so once I moved back here, um, it's just, it's just, you know, there's nothing about the place that I've been. I've just always wanted to do it. Like, you know, you can't, can't be a barista forever. Um, uh, Unfortunately, you know, and there's certainly a lot of other coffee, you know, roles and positions and stuff like that. But, you know, in, in a lot of cities, they're few and far between, you know, and there's just not enough to go around. And so, um, yeah, I don't remember the exact like moment or like where I was at when that happened, but it's always been something that I wanted to do, you know, um, the, the part of the reason why I went to the openings of all these shops, is I love the idea of like being somewhere day one and building a culture, you know, yeah. building like a, a healthy place. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so I think that's why I was always intrigued to go to, like, a new opening opposed to, like, an established place or whatever, you know, is I want to be a part of that. So I really want to hone in on the moment where you go, I'm actually taking steps to do this. Because I think anybody who's been in coffee or been a barista has at least had the, like, had the thought that I could open a shop. Or, sure. like, <clears throat> if I did it, this is how I'd do it. And, they, mm-hmm. you know, most people, it's kind of like it just continues to be a thought in their mind and it's... A, you just keep bouncing around. Sure. So I want to really hone in on the moment where you start going, here's the plan. Here's the actionable steps I'm taking. What are those first steps? Because I think that's what's the most intriguing to me is everybody's got the idea of a coffee shop yeah. if you've been in coffee. Mm-hmm. And so sure. it's the people who start to take those steps. And so I'm very curious at what point you've got this idea moving back to Minnesota that like, I'd love to own my own shop someday. Mm-hmm. What's the moment where you start to hone in on that and start to take actionable steps towards what has now become Fragment? Yeah, so there was um, so along the the way up until um, like while I was all these different you know different other shops, uh, I've been I had been approached a few times by people who who um, had been like guests or whatever with the idea um, who uh, they wanted to open up a shop or whatever, and and we went down those roads and uh, it just didn't work out or whatever. Um, this was about this time was the third time that um, I had made progress towards opening something um the other two like fell through for whatever various reasons and uh this was one where um i knew someone who knew the um the developers of the building that we're in now united properties and uh they knew they were looking for like a coffee tenant you know for because so we're in like a eight story you know tall Hmm. um office building essentially so they're looking for like a, a a coffee program for their tenants or whatever you know um to be like right and then right in the neighborhood as well and um they knew United Properties was looking for something and we got connected that United Properties reached out to me. It was like, Hey, we heard you, you might want, you know, an opportunity here in this bar. Um, well, you know, if you were given, you know, this space, what would you do with it? Right. So there's this whole, 
you know, I, I wrote up a, you know, a, a guesstimate of like what our program would be and like why it would be different than if you brought in like one of the established brands mm-hmm. in the city or whatever. And uh, they chose us and, and we uh, started going forward a little bit, I guess. But um, the main thing that kind of made it a reality was, was so I have a business partner, Sarah, um, who was a guest of mine at Parallel. Um, I guess just to kind of like piggyback off what you said, like there's a bunch of baristas in the city. You probably have like this idea, right? And I, I would love to just take this opportunity to be like, I mean, um, always, you know, it's, I, I think a lot, and I found myself in this, this way too, is like, sometimes you're not really happy with where you're at as like a, as a, as a coffee professional and you feel like you're stuck and all that kind of stuff, but you should really take ownership in what you do personally, like have pride in what you do, have pride in what you, what you, you know, what you serve and, uh, you never know who you're going to serve, you know? And my, you know, Sarah was a guest of mine and, uh, it turned into me like dog sitting them, their, their dogs and cats and stuff <laughs> like that. But, but she, you know, she was asking me one day how parallel was. I said, parallel is going good. Um, I have this opportunity to do something, you know, something different. Um, this is kind of what it's like. And she's like, do you need help? Like coming up with kind of like, um, projections and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of like her background is more in like the numbers and, and all that kind of stuff. And so she helped me with like what like a you know a first year projections would be and stuff like that and eventually after a couple of meetings she's like so this is what it looks like you might like need to start you know your business as far as like finances go how much what is that worth to you you know I want in and so you know it was a shock you know and uh I've never been a a numbers excel spreadsheet kind of guy you know I've always been the the you know at the register service type of person so that partnership is is invaluable to me so so we made it work and uh and like I said, you know, probably just pick kind of our concept. Um, and so, yeah, so we started the build out and the design and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, Brees is out there. If you have a goal to, to open up a shop, you know, you're no different than I was just, you know, take pride in your work individually. It doesn't matter like what shop you're in. Um, you know, just, just own it. And, you know, maybe you'll get someone to walk through who, who believes in what you do because of, you know, what you've, what you've shown them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's two things about that, that I think are big takeaways is, knowing one either what you don't like doing or two what you're not good at if you're going to start your own thing don't just focus on like this is what i'm really good at but you go it's the things that you're not good at or don't want to do that are going to fall by the wayside fast so things like excel and numbers i'm the same way that i'm like it's not that i necessarily couldn't learn them or could get by with them but i'm so like not wanting to do them and bad at them whereas somebody else would want to do them and be good at them that the sooner you can identify those things so before starting figuring that out i feel like that's a big pitfall of a lot of new shop owners is they go oh no we'll figure out the numbers like this shop down the road is charging this so we'll charge that it, if if it's working for them it'll work for us and you're like ah okay there's a lot yeah. of different things that go into it and the um the, the second part of it there that I love what you said about take pride in your work and it doesn't like you, you never know who you're serving it reminds me of this book i read about sales that is it's called the the challenger i think it was this the challenger something i'll reference it in the notes but they were it was a book about the 2008 financial crisis which could imagine there's a few parallels to what's happening right now but Mm -hmm. they started studying sales reps that were still having success during that downtime and it's the book turned into oh actually it's not the fact that they're having success during these downtimes they're always having success and they also happen to continue to strive and one of the things they found is one of the examples that seemed to be true of a lot of people is they never catered or tailored their sale pitch or like their enthusiasm for any one person 
so they were highlighting this this car dealer that no matter who walked through if it's a you know if it's a 15 year old looking for their first car if it's a farmer in overalls those are the examples they use because they go this 15 year old turns out to be the kid of someone that's buying all these cars from them now the farmer ends up buying 10 trucks a year as their best customers and so the takeaway from that for me that's kind of this uh pardon the parallel (laughs) here is that uh it's like if you serve everyone with pride Mm -hmm. you really don't know who you're serving and I, I think especially in coffee, I think sometimes it's, ah, it's just coffee. It doesn't, you know, if you, if you take a shift off and mentally or whatever, you're not locked in, you, nobody will notice. But I think people really do notice when they get great service, when sure. attention to detail and not only just the one time, but over time. Mm-hmm. And I know shop owners go, gosh, I, I wish my, my customers didn't have such preferences towards one barista or another. And mm-hmm. you go, well, there's a reason. It's because yeah. that person is always taking pride in their work. Mm-hmm. And the, here's where the tough part is. It's like you can't do that with the mindset of hopefully a Sarah walks in and becomes a future business partner. Sure. Because that will burn you out. Yeah. <laughs> if you're sitting there going, are you an investor? Are mm-hmm. you an investor? But reputation spread pretty quickly. And even not knowing you personally, I like I, you just had a great reputation within the coffee community is like just super on point with it. And obviously explains why you were able to go from such places like Northern Coffee Works and Parallel and all these spots that had amazing coffee programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I agree that, you, you know, you can't have that mentality with everyone. Um, but it, I, I don't think it's, it's exclusive to the investor thing, like for the same point that, you know, you know, your properties gave us, gave me an email as, you know, they saw my resume, they see I've been at all these places, my role's there. Um, I'm sure they, you know, United properties is, can vet people pretty easily. I'm sure they made some calls and, you know, they know that I was someone to take serious. You know, when I said, I want this opportunity, you know, they know that I've done it before for other people, you know, obviously in a different role, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's very easy to make a call and be like, yeah, that guy is kind of a jerk. <laughs> he doesn't like, you know, uh, it's just like, I don't know. I think in, in our industry, in our, especially in this city, um, there are probably a lot of baristas who, who feel stuck. You know, I don't think there's a lot of opportunity. And so, and I would love for them to have their Sarah walk in, man, we need more shops and stuff like that. Like, I, I hope, I hope they, I hope they find someone like that because like I said, I've been approached a few times just from all exclusively from guests. They are out there. Um, so yeah, just like, but like, yeah, you're, while you are representing your brand, like your business while you're on the floor, you're also representing yourself and just, you know, own it. You know, that's, I don't know, that's kind of what I did for a very long time. I always wanted to open up my own spot in the back of my head. And, and that's what, you know, I tried to take pride in every shot that I served or whatever, you know, because of it, you know, um, maybe I'm a little too prideful about my reputation or something like that, you know, um, but it, it paid off, I guess. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the point that uh, you've got the business plan built out. You make the proposal, which by the way, is, uh, it, might, it might seem like, oh, well, every place wants a new trendy place uh, that's different than the others. But it is a risk by a building to, <clears throat> to invest and allow a brand new concept mm-hmm, into absolutely. a place because you've got Dunn brothers, you've got caribou with these like established brands and even some local players could potentially franchise out into there. And mm-hmm. so it is presumably a bit of a risk for a building to take a chance on you, a first time shop owner uh, to build out a space in there. What was that pitching like to the building? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, I mean, with the, you know, it is, it's a lot safer to go with an established brand. You know, guests are going to come in day one, you know, they have their following already, you know, established and stuff like that. Our pitch was mainly like, 
obviously is part of my resume and the things I did at the places before. Um, and part of it was like what our program would different compared to like the current landscape of the, of our industry here. You know, they wanted, they wanted like our building. I'm not, you've been, yeah, you've been in the yeah. Nordic. Um, it's quite beautiful and it's definitely kind of like a, a destination vibe. You know, when you're in there, it's, it's very warm and inviting and it wants people to stay there and, um, it's really well designed and, uh, um, yeah, so our pitch was mainly just like that, like to highlight um, what would make us different and why people would go there. And you know, our our coffee scene, you know, is great in some aspects. We do have you know some quite established brands that they have been here for quite a while. And I think you know between guests and and industry folk, you know, you're always looking for something new, you know. And uh, so we we really you know we really relied on the, the multi, you know, the multi roaster, you know, making it different, keeping it new. You know, a lot of our partnerships were ones that were exclusive to us. You know, mm-hmm. we brought in honey and rye as a baked partnership who had never been outside of their own spot and they have a huge following. And so having them offer in the North was a, was a, a cool thing. And so it was basically just like trying to, trying to showcase how we would be good for the neighborhood and getting people to come in as well as having these cool, um, partnerships like the baked goods for just the office folk who are in there every day right like when um, you i'm just curious when you're pitching this things like multi-roaster and you're explaining single origin espresso sure. who are you explaining this to and so how all, much did you have to explain to them what you're talking about um i it, we definitely you you know we didn't get too intense in the, in the terms <laughs> that we use a lot of it was more of like hey this is a building called the nordic it's very you know nordic vibes nordic inspired design We'll bring roasters from you know Denmark and you know uh, Copenhagen and you know Sweden. Like we'll we'll play off of that. And so we 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 didn't necessarily say multi roasters. We basically were just like we will bring in coffees from all over the world. Um, and, okay. and, and and really leaned heavy on that. Sounds way more sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's what we do. You yeah. know. So um and they they bought it. You know I I, I don't know what the final like I didn't hear the other pitches and stuff like that. And so I don't really know like what set us apart. But they said yeah. So I mean we didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't super like super intense. It was mainly like I showed them ex- um, examples of like coffee shops and other shared spaces around the country, you know, mm. and how they do Smart. things, and and yeah, showed them like what my background was, and showed them like what I wanted to do and what my menu would look like, and that's a super smart way to go about it. If you can go this, this has been done, just mm-hmm. not here. This would be the first one here, and so yeah. if you can show examples, even if it's different regions, different countries, or whatever, you can go. This concept at least has been done. I'm not doing something completely outrageous. Yeah but it's going to be the first one in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. How fast from them accepting that proposal to opening did this all go down? Um, it was it was under a year. It was probably like eight months, I think, for like the build-out. And um, yeah, before we went live, I think I, I think I left Parallel in December, and then we opened up November 1st of the next year. So, um, but I think we, you know, I, I, they, yeah, so I'd say a little under a year probably. And I'm curious, with so many experiences being at least on the opening team of new locations mm-hmm. going in on it on your own what was like the most unexpected thing or were there unexpected things you know it's it's been it's it's weird to say because everyone always asks like how's how's opening up a you know opening up a business and a shop has been and like it it sounds really really lame but there hasn't been like a lot of hiccups that, like, that would that was be my assumption like i've i've been a part of of a handful of openings now where you know you you've seen the problems that have come up you know expectantly right you can't plan for everything and um i've seen the things to do and things not to do uh, you know and 
and I think we did this pretty well, you know. Um, and I, I think part of it too is like, of course, there's probably hiccups, and of course, sure. there was stuff that like you weren't planning on. Mm-hmm. But I think because, and that's the I, we we sat down for coffee right when you opened, mm-hmm. and it really just felt like you were like, yep, working another it shift. Was another, <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, I'm telling you, like, like we. I mean, at Parallel, like, I was pretty much in charge of the program there. And so a, a lot of it is – it's not copy and paste, but it's very similar because I believed mm-hmm. in the things that we did there. You know, I was in charge of it. And um, so we just did this on a whole other level. But it's – yeah, the day-to-day is pretty comparable. Um, the bar – you know, everything I, I think is just pretty straightforward if you have, you know, barista experience. Like, I think any barista who has any experience could probably come in, hop on bar, and, and, and hold it down, you know. So um, it's just really designed well for, for bar flow and – and offerings like our, our our menu is pretty intense as far as like the amount of coffees we dial in on a single day but that's really it that's out of the norm so yeah i don't know there's certainly were hiccups and learning curves but that's expected opening up a shop and i think the ones that we learned from were pretty pretty minute you know or yeah. in the grand and just like things. knowing that even just the knowledge that you go there will be hiccups it's yeah. literally not possible mm-hmm. to just open a coffee shop without that but even being aware of that so that when it happens you're like yeah this is how it should go it'd be yeah. more weird if there weren't hiccups along the way with your intense coffee program multi-roaster rotating constantly how does that affect your hiring practices in terms of the type of person that you seek out to work at Fragment as a barista? Um, I mean, we haven't, we've only been open for a little over a year. Um, half of the staff that are there are people who have been there since the beginning. We like, we've doubled um, in our staff um, and three of the people were th- with me at Parallel. Um, so that we've been working together for, for a couple of years now. So there was some familiarity there, you know, and there wasn't obviously too much um, training or anything like that. As far as like new applicants go, like you definitely have to be fairly curious about coffee as a, as a product and as a, as a, you know, everything like that. And uh, you have to be really into service. Um, That's like more important to me than like the whole product thing. So just mainly just the, the things I look for when I interview someone is just like how, how they talk, you know, how pleasant they are, you know, if they're interested in coffee, that's great. Um, we haven't, you know, in, in one year, we haven't had an opportunity to hire someone, you know, for, especially a year with like COVID and mm-hmm. limited hours. So we haven't had an opportunity to hire someone who's completely green, you know, so we haven't done like a full on training program. Everyone's had like pretty decent experience. And I think, again, with the the coffee landscape that is here, you have a lot of very qualified, experienced people looking for something new. And so, I mean, some of the people who have applied, I'm just like, Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I know who you are from the scene, from being around it. I, I love what you do. Like, come do it for us. You know, like, yeah, it's been, it hasn't been too difficult to find a, uh, enough coffee curious people to, to hold it down for us. I think the coolest thing I remember, and this has stuck with me, is um, when, when you open, I was like, man, it's going to be challenging to find people that like we'll be able to do what's necessary to dial in that many uh, espresso, be able to like batch brew, make sure everything's tasting good like, to have that many people that would be like that into it. That And then the way you phrased it, that totally changed my mind about it is you're like, but there are baristas who would be stoked that we have a different espresso every, every couple of weeks. Cause mm-hmm. there are a lot of coffee people that go, I want to get into coffee cause I get pumped about it. It's, I love it. I'm passionate yeah. about it. They become a barista and realize I'm pulling the same shot of espresso yeah, and brewing the same batch of coffee every single day. Mm-hmm. And there are, it, it, I, I always compare it to the craft beer industry that people go, Oh, brewers, this is sexy. I want to be a brewer. And then you figure out that being a brewer is just making the same beer as yeah. close as possible every single day. Day. And so you've almost created like this, like a, 
almost like a tap room or like a craft beer bar with a constant rotating menu. So you start to attract baristas that go, I'm here because I get to learn mm-hmm. about a new coffee every couple of weeks. I get to serve these different coffees and get excited about it. And that's one of my favorite things about going to Fragment is I love going to a shop especially when I don't know the roasters, which is kind of a rarity for me. Like (laughs) I know a few of them and to pull up and be like, I don't know any one of these three roasters they're serving Mm -hmm. and just go like, what are you digging? Like, what do you like? And to just right away, get that answer. Like Mm -hmm. personally, I love that when you go, Oh, I can tell like they love what they're doing here and they're like proud to be serving it. Yeah. I mean, our program is very, you know, while it is a lot for, you know, it is a lot of caffeination and, and, and a lot of, um, work on you know a lot of uh i don't know a lot of expectations from your palate and stuff like that um it is really kind of a a barista's playground you know if we have a coffee there feel free to dial it in you know and so it really it really helps um yeah like you said baristas be stoked and and proud of what they have because they you know can dial in three or four and most of the time with guests they don't want to hear the list of what you're offering. They want to hear what you like best, right? And so when you've had you know, three or four or five or in some morning seven different uh, origin of espressos or whatever, right? Usually one or two of them are going to stand out. You can really speak, you know, passionately about that to guests, you know, be like, I'm loving this one today. And it may not be like that tomorrow, you know? Um, and it's, it's just a cool experience. You know, it's a cool opportunity for, you know, while I do value consistency and people, you know, on their daily routines want to go in and get, you know, something that they can rely on, um, I, I do think it's fun for the people who want to come in and get something they didn't get yesterday that there's likely going to be something like that. Well, especially and, and it's like you're, you're going to have a coffee on the menu that if somebody's just like, I don't care. I just want a 100%. coffee. You go, okay, well, this one's going to do you. Yeah. I, like the, you, you'll, you'll always have a coffee like that on the menu. So mm. it's easy to kind of uh, work with that person still and they're still going to leave there. Yeah. Um, what was it like? Um, obviously, this year has been interesting. Sure. And I've seen you guys do some really cool stuff over there. Uh, the most notable one, the, one of the first things I remember that I saw a coffee shop doing where I was like, that's interesting, is I think you were one of the first in the city to start doing to-go lattes. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear, and I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, no. but <laughs> the closures happen, offices too, which is a huge part of your business being in an eight floor office yeah. building. So mm-hmm. off, offices are closed. Everything's shut down for two weeks. I'm mm-hmm. doing quotations here. Mm-hmm. We're nine months later. Uh, how did that feel when it went down? And what was your immediate reaction to respond to everything going on? Sure. Um, yeah. So the the first um, shutdown was four months into business. Um, like you said, we were in um, or we're in an office building with people who come in, you know, every single day. So our first few months were pretty reliant on the tenants in the building. Um once everything shut down, they, they stopped coming in, you know, we had to change our program. I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty proud of how we adapted. Um, like you said, we, so we closed down, I think for three, two or three days. So, and then right away opened up again. Um, we opened up, like, I think I was able to get into like one of the, the last days that one of like the home brewer stores were open or whatever. And I just got like cases of 12 ounce bottles and stuff like that. And, and some 32 ounce growlers or whatever. And, uh, yeah, like I said, three days later, we were opened back up for like four packs of, of, of bottle lattes and four packs of cold brew and 32 ounce growlers of cold brew. And, uh, at the time we were just doing like two hour order ahead pickup windows. So like if you, you order it the night before and you have two hours and you can just call us and we'll bring it out to your car or whatever. And, uh, we we're just crushing those bottled lattes and, uh, which was great. It wasn't anything substantial or notable, but it, it, uh, it, I think it's, um, it, 
you know, it, it was just kind of like a progression thing. Like we went from that to you could then order any crafted, you know, Wix in our hours, you can order any made drink or bottles, you know, and, and do pick up, you know, we have a little vestibule in the lobby and, uh, we just had tables out there that we had put the drinks on and it was like a whole no contact pickup and stuff like that. And slowly we progressed to, you know, you could come in and order, but take it to go and, you know, um, and then kind of back to normal. We've always been serving stuff to go, but eventually, you know, people go sit inside and stuff like, so it's been like a slow progression, but we've always been offering something, which yeah. I think has led to like the last couple of months, you know, before this next shutdown, um, you know, we were doing pretty good. And I think it was because we were open the whole time mm-hmm. in some capacity, even though it was small, people knew that we were there, you know, and, and they could rely on getting something from us, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was challenging at times, you know, just to see like those, those daily reports of the numbers and stuff like mm-hmm. that as a form of the old business. Um, but you knew you were doing something responsible and you knew you were doing something, you know, um, I think a lot of people, um, I mean, I think we were open a lot when people weren't, you know, and I, we, I think a lot of people came to check us out and we retained a lot of them and our office still hasn't, um, the, the building still hasn't like occupied, like the offices are still pretty much closed other than like a, we work upstairs. Um, people come in and out of that, but we've really kind of been able to reach out and extend our audience more to like the neighborhood who are now aware that we're kind of there. Yeah. The to go lattes to me, like now speaking nine months later, people are like, yeah, done. Now everybody's doing like the gallon, you know, like the plastic mm-hmm. jugs of to go latte. So it seems played out at this point, but when you first did it, I, I was like, damn, that's like really smart. Because the thing about like black coffee is people can make that at home. Sure. Uh, and you know, if they have coffee makers and it might, it's not going to be like if they went in and got a shot of espresso at Fragment, it's not going to be like your rotating batch brew, but they can do it at home. So it's like, sure. a, it's like a reasonable substitute, but lattes, cappuccinos, these drinks, they can't make mm-hmm. near the same quality at home. So when I saw that, I go, that makes a lot of sense because now you're kind of saying this thing that you absolutely can't do at home. Mm-hmm. We're now making it an option so that you can still enjoy it. I was like, and I, I don't, I saw that. I was like, that is, first of all, times are weird. Yeah, <laughs> when I 100%. see glass bottles of lattes mm-hmm. being sl- slinged out the, or slung out the door, I was like, th- things are weird. Mm-hmm. And two, people are going to be smart about this whole thing. And then that started like this whole windfall of all these creative responses to how to deal with the first closures. Yeah. People were pretty stoked about it. Like we, we, you know, when we first closed, we're like, obviously we, we want to still sell, you know, whole beans. Like we, you know, that's a big part of our, our business is, you know, our, our, the bringing in the, the retail beans that we, we offer and stuff like that. And we know people are going to be brewing a lot at home. So we wanted a way to still offer that. And we're, then we're like, okay, let's look at our menu. What can we still do? You know, and, uh, ice lattes were, were the play, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it kind of like helped us develop, uh, a, you know, an online ordering program through our website and, and our retail. Um, I never want to be an e-commerce brand by any means, but uh, our, our online marketplace has, you know, we now have, you know, I think I made shipments out to like, um, we sent out boxes to like Washington and Utah and Georgia this week and stuff. So like people, know, you know, it's, it's been weird, you know, it, it is definitely weird times. It has changed what we thought Fragment would be for, you know, off the, the get go. Uh, we developed a subscription program, which, we, right. you know, we threw our hat into the oversaturated world of coffee subscriptions and, and that's been pretty well. So it's, it's, it's been fun to problem solve, like how we can have revenue come in outside the cafe. Um, and again, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of how we made it through the first year, all things yeah. considered and how we just adapted and yeah, bottle lattes were not something that I ever <laughs> thought uh, we would do. Well, let's consider the subscription service here because this intrigues me. And I was, I was actually kind of racking my brain about this when you started it. I go, okay, 
if you would have told me a year ago that a cafe is going to open that is eventually going to have a subscription service where they're selling the coffees that they select, I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. And I was sure. like trying to pinpoint down like what is like what's the difference between that and other subscription services? Mm-hmm. And it's I think the key difference is other subscription services are like they're choosing their coffee. Mm-hmm. And with yours, it's like, we're choosing the coffee for you. We're choosing the roasters that we carry. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's a lot of roasters that I'm not even familiar with. So I imagine most people are definitely not familiar with Mm -hmm. them. And so they're going, but the last one I had was awesome from here. So I know if I'm choosing from Fragment, it's going to be a brand new roaster I probably haven't heard of. It's going to be something really good and it's going to be different. So it's almost like the subscription service is like you're curating a selection of things that like, they're taking an inherent risk of, I don't know what I'm ordering, mm-hmm. but because they've selected it, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly a, a little surprise every month if you're <laughs> a subscriber. Um, I mean, yeah, between like with the subscription and us, like, again, I never thought we'd ship out beans or whatever. I think what people have realized is, so we have, you know, we have partners from 10 different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far we just brought in uh, a partnership from Australia, which I'm very, very, very excited about. Uh, Ona Coffee Roasters, um, we're the you know the only place in in the country that has them, or or really any Australian roaster partner, which is pretty wild for yeah. a, a one year old company. You know, um, but you know we have roasters from you know London and Germany and you know Italy and all the Nordic countries like I listed earlier. And I think what people have realized is you can get us to flat rate ship it for five bucks and that's a lot cheaper than you ordering it from them you know like if you want to order if you want to order so that's what i've realized is if you want to order a bag of coffee from you know whoever you know the barn in germany right you're now going to pay double that just to get that bag shipped to you right but we pay for that on the wholesale end right and and then we'll ship it out to you and yes it's like three days later which isn't that there's that, you know. the missing piece. There's the I was there. There's the missing piece. I couldn't figure out. Yeah, that's so it, super smart. So if you are a coffee curious person, um, it's very hard to order internationally just because of shipping and stuff like that. I, so yeah, I never do. A, it's like I want to try it, but you go, why would I spend fifty dollars on a bag of yeah. coffee when it's going to be kind? You know, it's going to be at a, a similar quality or of one I can get locally yeah. or one I can have shipped mm-hmm. from the U.S. Yeah. So it's it's been I think. We, we've had a lot of like people who have ordered once then ordered, you know, follow up orders because they real like, so we get coffee from, you know, all those European countries, like four or five days off roast still. So it's pretty reasonable. And then after we ship it out, like you're still getting it, you know, a week to 10 days, which gives it plenty of life left. So well, I mean, reasonably, that's like when it's the best to start. Yeah, drinking yeah, yeah. hundred percent. We're doing, we're doing all the patients for you, the patients waiting for you. Um, so yeah, so it's been, I think the subscription is for either people who don't want to choose, you know, or it's for people who um are really coffee curious but they don't want to pay 50 bucks for a bag of coffee you're yeah. like the hookup for international roasters yeah, yeah, That's for sick. Sure. yeah it's been it's been really cool um i think it's uh i mean i love i'm biased i love our program a lot but uh uh i'd I be think a little it's a worried cool if you didn't <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's just a really cool opportunity for for our city and just like any honestly anyone it sounds so so lame now that I'm thinking about, it, but it's, it's a really cool opportunity for anyone in the country who wants to try an international roaster because you can get it for, you know, thirty bucks and you know or you know twenty five bucks shipped and and uh, yeah, get to try something from around the world. I guess. I don't so know. it's like it's it's ironic that um, 
I'm a broken record. I say this, but Blue Ocean Strategy is my favorite book of all time. It's like, how can you do things the opposite of how everyone else is doing it? Sure. Everybody else is going, how local can we get? How sure. local, how hyper local can we get our menu program? Which obviously I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, I'm also, totally very, appreciate I'm also very biased. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are at local roaster. Mm-hmm. I, I'm self-aware about this, but you go, well, let's do the opposite. How not local can we get? And you add value by doing that. And so it's really cool that you've got a local business that of course, like buying from fragment is supporting a local business and you get this opportunity to try international roasters that I would definitely never have tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I totally appreciate the localness. You know, we, you know, we do local as, as much as we can, as far as like, you know, our dairy and all of our, our other partnerships and, uh, um, but it's just like at the end of the day as a new business, like how are you going to set yourself apart? And if you can get something at our shop that you can get down the road, like just like your, your, your ceiling is so much lower, you know? And, uh, I also think there's so many great coffee roasters in the world that, you know, people around here have no idea about and, and I want to share them. You know? yeah. <laughs> I've always been the, I've always been the nerd who would order, you know, two or three bags from a roaster every other from a different roaster. I want to try everything, you know, and uh, I had the same problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I was drowning in, in beans. I was so over, you know, I just, I went insane when I first started in coffee and uh, drink two, drink two cups out of it. You're like, okay, I understand this coffee now. Mm-hmm. And then you're on to the next one. Yeah. You've got nine ounces of a really great coffee left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 For sure. And so, you know, I wanted to to do that for everyone else, I guess. I don't know. No, I th- honestly, I think it's really cool. And I'm, I am curious because like, how do you choose the international roasters you work with? Because I'm, I'm clearly, I figured out that I'm like, my knowledge of roasters is US based. And sure. so the second you go outside of the US, my knowledge drops off dramatically. And I learned that because of Fragment. I was sure. like, I kind of assumed I knew all the, the really great roasters out there. How do, When you're going out and seeking new partners, like let's take this one uh, from Australia since it's the most recent in your mind. Yeah. How did you start uh, to even pick, pick that roaster, contact them, sure. figure out how to create a wholesale partnership across the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we have a super secret criteria that I can't share with you, Rob. You know, <laughs> we, we have a lot of imitators out there who are probably listening to this and I don't want them uh, in on it. But no, um, uh, we we have like a, a, a small, loose criteria about our partnerships. Um, as far as Ona is considered, that started, you know, two years ago. I reached out to him when I was at Parallel and they're like, yeah, we don't work with anyone in the United States. I'm like, that's cool, whatever. Uh, have a good day. <laughs> and then uh, I reached out to him when we opened up Fragment. Same story. Like, hey, we don't have any U.S. partnerships. It's just not worth our time to do that right now. And I'm just like, I'm like, I know there. I had first had Ona when I when um or I had first heard of Ona like because uh, they were served at one of my kind of like dream shops called Revolver in Vancouver. So I'm like, man, they work with you know Canadian shops. Like, like I'm, right I'm so here. close. I'm south. so close. There's something. Um, and so um, I reached out to him again. You know, a couple months ago, I was like, yo, like this is our lineup. You know, I would love to showcase to you alongside all these other international roasters. And I don't know if it was like, a, we had to prove our concept to them before they're open to it, but they're like, Hey, we don't, we don't work with, you know, anyone in the United States, but like, let's talk it out. And so I don't know, it was just like some back and forth and they, they were open to looking into the whole, like working with the FDA and seeing how, how we could get it here. And, and they went, I'm so grateful they went through the legwork and, um, and yeah, so they, we, we, they got all the the importing and stuff like that done, and and uh, yeah, we got our first order in from them last week, I guess. But Ona, I know of Ona because they're owned by like a World Barista Champion, Sasha Sektik, mm-hmm. and uh, they're very 
very highly renowned and like Australia is like the Mecca of the coffee scene. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they're one of like the big names there. And, and part of our partnerships is, is, you know, just like we, we, we partner with a lot of the, like the, the names in each of these countries, like the barn is huge in, in, in Germany and, and square miles huge in, in England. And, um, it's kind of just like, these are, these are the roasters who best represent their, or, you know, their country of origin, you know, and it's cool to have them here. Cause you know, um, you know, coffees that are roasted in like the Nordic countries, like our, 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 our partnerships with like La Cabra and uh, Kopi and all that kind of stuff. Like Nordics have like a very distinct, like roast profile, like super, super light. And, and it's cool to have them, you know, they're, they're really big names in their countries and it's cool to have them represented here. And, and so it's when we're looking for the international partnerships, it's just like, who is known there to do really, really good things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and part of it is like going back to us being a new brand, like as much as I'd love, and we did this at parallel, we brought in like smaller kind of like obscure roasters from like random cities that you wouldn't necessarily think, especially coffee shop, especially coffee comes from. Right. So we had partners from like, you know, Kansas city, which has a really great scene that people don't really know about. And then like Ohio and Oklahoma. So we brought in like Maine and like, so we brought in all these really obscure ones and I love that program, but like here as a new business that I wanted to succeed, you kind of had to get a little bit clickbaity with your partnerships. That's the term I use for. So you want some, some partners that have some brand recognition, right. To get people in the door, you know, um, so like when we opened up, we opened up with Hart, who has a huge name. Mm-hmm. You know, we opened up with Monogram, that has a huge industry name, but but they're from Calgary, which has never, but has never been here before. And then Saint Frank, who has a really big industry name, but has also never been here before. And then we slowly started adding, and and like I said, what we brought in Kopi as our first out of Sweden as our first um, international partnership, and uh, people came out for them. Like they have a huge name, and uh, and they still do a really, they do a really great. They're just a wholesale roaster, and. Um, they do a great job. And, but like when I saw the people come in who knew about Kopi, I was like, okay, let's see, let's see how, <laughs> how great, like I never anticipated, you know, when you open up fragment having, you know, 19 partners within the first year and <laughs> from 10 different countries, this was Stressing not, me out. this was not planned at all. Um, but once I saw the reaction from the first one, I'm like, all right, I love it. You know, there's enough coffee curious folks out there who want to see, you know, see what's different, you know, and what's new. And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's killer. Um, 19 partners in the mm-hmm. first year. And what a what a wonderful year to open the first uh, first year of yeah. business. So if you can get through this year, I think well, I think you'll be OK. Yeah, we 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 are planning on getting through this year just, just fine. Yeah, That's awesome, man. Oh, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. Yeah, it's I like you're one of those people I've just always kind of known <laughs> that those are the type of people I love inviting the podcast sure. because it's like. I was telling you right before we got on mic that it's like super creepy to be like, Hey, do you want to meet up and just can I ask you about you for an hour? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Like, and I'm, I, I always hesitate cause I don't, I, I will talk about fragment till, till, you know, I'm blue in the face, but don't ask me questions about me. I don't want to talk about myself. So, <laughs> but I'm always happy to talk, you know, we are still new and, and I, I know a lot of people haven't heard of us yeah. from, you know, one, you know, uh, you know, there's a, a, an established scene here and two COVID like people haven't been out and about, but yeah, I'm happy to, Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk uh, talk about Fragment. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I will end it like I end every other episode and say have a nice day.